together and just spend a few minutes uh, just uh, teasing out what God would be saying to each one of us through that. And then we're going to be responding in some more sung worship and just uh, spending some time allowing the Holy Spirit to minister his grace to us this morning. So if you want to follow the reading, it's from Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. Just following on the story of the uh, amazing, miraculous birth of Jesus just into those early days. So Luke 2 verse 21 On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to caused the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. We thank God for his word and we pray together. We thank you for the celebrations that we've had, Lord, over these coming uh, last few weeks and uh, to celebrate your amazing birth and reread those stories of the nativity. We thank you. And we thank you for the gospel writers 
who have written down those accounts of your life. And we thank you through the pages of Scripture. We can see you afresh and we can be spoken to by your Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us this morning? Maybe you'll speak a different word to each one of us, but would you speak by your Spirit? That we may hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes we can miss what's right under our noses. I read this week of a man who sold an old picture at a car boot sale. This was back in 1989, one of the states in America. It was a faded old country scene. He had a clear out, and he sold it for $4. The person who bought it confessed that they'd only bought it to reuse the frame. So when he'd removed the picture from the frame, he discovered hidden away between the canvas and the black backboard a document. It was the first edition copy of the Declaration of Independence. How it got there? Don't know. Who put it there? Don't know. What was it worth? It sold at Sotheby's for $2.42 million. Sounds a bit like something out of Fools and Horses to me, if you remember that. We've been celebrating the birth of the Savior, Jesus. The one who spoke creation into being. He was there. Spoke creation into being just by his word. There with the Father and the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. And yet he humbled himself. And was born as a baby in Bethlehem. The Messiah, the King of Kings, the ruler of the universe. Who would have thought it would happen in such a way? who among the people in Bethlehem at that time were aware of what was happening right under their noses. And even Caesar, who had declared that census, the reason why he did that was to raise money, taxes. Everyone had to go to their hometown to register. Joseph had to go with Mary. And so fulfilled those prophecies that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Who would have thought that that declaration from Caesar, who was considered to be the most powerful man in the universe, he had his finger on the button, and it was bigger than anyone else's button. (laughs) But it was just a footnote to something bigger that God was doing in his world. That would change the world forever. They missed him. When Jesus was eight days old, Joseph and Mary took him to be circumcised. We're not sure whether that was taking place in Bethlehem or they made that short trek back to Jerusalem. It's not told, but it's told that when they went to uh, take part in the purification rites, they went to the temple. 
When Jesus is circumcised, he is named. The name that was given from heaven, Jesus, God saves. And then that backdrop shifts towards Jerusalem to the temple as Mary and Joseph, again, obedient to the law. Fulfilling all the requirements of the law. From Leviticus 12, after giving birth to a baby boy, Mary would have been unclean for seven days. Joseph probably would have been unclean as well because he would have probably taken part in the birth of the child. Another 33 days, 40 in total. And then to go to the temple to be purified, to be made clean, to offer sacrifices to consecrate their firstborn son to the Lord, fulfilling that requirement in the book of Exodus, reflecting back, the people of God reflecting back on the great deliverance out of slavery in Egypt when the firstborn died through that last plague. And so they were obedient to the Lord that the firstborn would always be consecrated to the Lord. Mary and Joseph obeying the law. And there in the temple were the priests who were continually offering sacrifices to God. There would have been the teachers of the law crowding around with gathered crowds, teaching the meaning of the scriptures, the very scriptures that point to the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who is just brought into the temple right under their noses carried by his mother and father. They fail to see. Mary has come to offer sacrifices for purification. And here under the noses of the priests and the teachers is the one who fulfills all the scriptures. Here in the temple where the sacrifices happen is, is the one cradled in his mother's arms who will bring an end to all the need for those sacrifices because he will offer the one perfect sacrifice once for all. But in this account of Mary and Joseph obedience, they encounter two people who do see and do hear what is going on. Simeon and Anna And they're both living in a world of patient hope. And as I was preparing this week, this is the the kind of phrase that kept coming back to me about living in a world of patient hope. And what I mean by that world is your world. That we are called as a people to live in patient hope. How many of us get impatient about what we would like to see happen, what we would like to see God do, what we would like in our own lives. But we, this morning, I believe, the Holy Spirit wants to just reassure that we need to live in patient hope. Trusting God's timing. Trusting that He is at work. And as a church together, There are times when we're impatient because we don't see all the things we want to see. I believe God is saying to us, you need to live in patient hope, trusting in the Lord. Patient hope. (laughs) 
So on that very day when Mary came to present her firstborn to the Lord and stood with her, her own sacrifice, in the other hand she was cradling the sacrifice for all mankind. She had come for those purification rites that would make her clean. She was holding the very saviour of the world who would clean her completely. Simeon and Anna had their eyes open to what God was up to. Simeon himself had heard a whisper from the Lord. Did you notice as we read it how many times it's mentioned about Simeon that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit, attentive to the Holy Spirit. He'd heard a whisper from God that he would see the Lord's Messiah before he came, before he departed this world before he died. So what a wonderful description of this man, Simeon. And maybe it's a New Year's resolution for us to be more like this man. Notice the description of him. The Holy Spirit was on him. He was moved by the Holy Spirit just at the right moment when Mary and Joseph came in with Jesus. He was attentive to what God was doing. So while the priests and the teachers of the law there in the temple missed the arrival of the one Savior of the world, something they'll repeat again. Thirty years' time as Jesus comes to Jerusalem, weeps over the city, comes to die, they will miss it again, right under their noses. But Simeon sees the baby. And he sees God's salvation for the whole world. You see, to see Jesus is to see God's salvation. To see Jesus is to see God's plan for the whole world. And he sees Jesus. And he's committed to God's timing. He has heard that whisper that he won't die until he sees the Messiah. He's living in a world of patient hope. And then the other character that we're introduced to is Anna. She's described as very old. There's no wonderful description. Anna was very old. Not just old. She was very old. That's really ageist, isn't it? People have tried to work out her age, but they're not sure whether she was a widow for 77 years or for 84 years. You'll see a footnote if you read it in your Bible. So I reckon she was at least 100. That's my reckoning. At least 100. That's not old, is it? I mean, Wynne is going to be 100 this year. And we look at Wynne, and we don't think Wynne's very old at all. In fact, there are times when Wynne makes us feel old because... We won't tell anyone the actual date, because it's secret, isn't it? It's in April, though, isn't it? (laughs) And it's a few days after my birthday. Anna was very old, it says. But she was always looking out for what God was doing. She never left the temple, but worshipped and prayed and fasting. She was living in that world of patient hopes, and she spots what God is doing and begins to tell everyone around her. 
I find it incredible that Simeon and Anna didn't get fed up waiting. Didn't turn into grumpy old people who said, oh, never going to happen. No, they had their ears open, eyes open, hearts set on the Lord so they could see what he's doing, hear what he's saying, living in patient hope. And a great evangelist that she was starts telling everyone around her. Maybe you're here this morning and you're missing what's right under your nose. What God is saying to you. What God is doing. Maybe you are frustrated. And maybe you just need to hear again. Word of the Holy Spirit. Live in patient hope. Simeon is also prophetic in what he says to Mary because he talks about the suffering that will come. He says that Jesus will divide many. He will be the causing of the rising and falling of many. Jesus will be a stumbling block to some. I've even met people who say they believe in God but can't believe in Jesus because it's a stumbling block to them to believe that God became a human being to save us. You see what God is doing right under our noses. He says to Mary that a sword will pierce her heart. Simeon, as he takes God's salvation in his arms, he's heard that whisper of the Holy Spirit. He can go in peace now. He's seen the Savior of the world. But he speaks of the opposition that Jesus will face and the suffering he will endure. He points toward the crucifixion, that piercing of Mary's heart, that pain that only a mother can experience. The Savior of the world, dealing with the suffering in the world, will do it by sharing in it himself, taking upon himself the sins of the world. Living in patient hope. There are times when I watch the news and I just despair. And I've been reminded this week to live in patient hope. Because we have seen the Savior of the world. He has revealed himself to us. We know Jesus. If we're here this morning, we know Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We have seen God's salvation. We have experienced God's salvation. Everything will be as God purposes it. Even when we cannot see it, and even when we cannot understand it, even when there is suffering on the road, we live in patient hope because Jesus is coming again and he will make all things new. So, at the beginning of this new year, I don't know if you're one for resolutions and things. Gallop 
uh, that sort of, um, they collect statistics and things. The top four New Year's resolutions every year, the top four are improve personal finances, stop smoking, lose weight, exercise more. Well, and all those are good things to do. But how about let's make a commitment to open our eyes to see what God is doing. Open our ears to hear what God is saying to us. To make a personal commitment to live in patient hope that despite the circumstances that we may see, even in the here and now, that we are going to keep trusting because we've seen the salvation of God. May we be moved and filled and prompted by the Holy Spirit that we may know God better in this coming year. Let's pursue God together. Pursue Him as a church together that we may see all that He's planned and purposed for us. Let's pray together. I'm going to invite Sally and the band to come back. I'm going to spend some time in worship together.